Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is a special episode of the Donut Box Podcast. Well, man, this is, like you said, it's a very special edition of the Donut Box Podcast where we're going to discuss a few things um, and, I guess, kind of break out and do a little bit different than the norm and literally just have a free form where we just talk about uh, things that have, we've experienced in life. And Chris and I have talked about it today, and we thought about telling about our religious backgrounds and things along those lines and see where that goes from there. Yeah, so we're gonna, I think we're going to title this uh, Church Hurt, Spiritual Abuse, uh, yeah, because I don't know if a lot of y'all have gro- grown up in church. Uh, Mike and I have grown up in church all of our lives. Uh, and just so we can clarify, this is not like we're going to dog on church, dog on Jesus, just kick it right in the nuts. Uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, but we are going to talk about kind of our experiences because I think it's helpful for people. I think a lot of people have experienced kind of what we've gone through, you think? And probably felt a lot of the same things and it's hard because Chris and I have talked about it in, in depth, and most of the time people feel like, oh man, it's just me, I probably am the only one feeling that, and because of other church reasons that we'll go into, probably feel, you know, hey, um, I it's just me out there, and nah, you know, this actually happened to a lot of people, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into it because there's a lot here, but it... Um, I don't know. It helps give perspective, and then it also helps see certain sides of the aisle. So hopefully this helps formulate your opinion. And again, this is all opinion-based. There is a bright side to this because both of us have got on the other side of it, right? I mean, I'm that's safe to say. I know I have. It's safe to say you've gotten on the other side of it, like, you know, on a, on a good path kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just dive in and kind of give you a little bit of background. Uh, Mike, Micah, before we met each other, Micah grew up in a Pentecostal background. I grew up in a small, small, small Baptist church background. Uh, kind of explain to them, Micah, what a, what a Pentecostal background growing up is like. Well, it's, it's interesting. So if you don't know what Pentecostal is, and this is, um, yeah, this is a very interesting sect. It's actually the United Pentecostals and it, they had a little bit of a different belief system and things like that. Um, but essentially there's a lot of legalistic rules. Um, and it's, it's based on very small scriptures within the Bible, but literally, you know, women can't wear pants. It has to be skirts, um, that are three quarter length, things like that. No makeup, no, um, no jewelry. And their hair has to be done a certain way. I'm sure you've probably seen people in public look like that. They're probably Pentecostal. Um, and the thing is, that's that's how they they the ladies have to wear. And then men, they have to wear jeans, shorts, or not a you know you're not supposed to show your legs, nothing like that. Um, you have to be very modest and things like that. They do believe in speaking in tongues out loud, and it has to be out loud to be a profession of the spirit. And I can say what that is. Basically, they don't believe that you could possess the Holy Ghost without um, speaking in tongues, because uh, that's the evidence. And there's a lot of debate around whether that is or whether it's not. But, yeah, there's, it's, like I said, it's very legalistic. Well, the interesting 
thing about legalistic or legalism with the Pentecostals is they're very charismatic and charismatic means like you're more free flowing with the spirit and, uh, you know, you're not doing everything like, I guess, in like a Catholic sense where everything's super structured and like you have to say five Hail Marys and kind of a thing. But then on the flip side of that coin, it's like they're very like you have to follow all these rules. And if you even uh, look at a beer commercial, then you're going to hell. And so that's kind of a that's kind of the weird part about it. But uh, Micah grew up in that. And so I grew up in a Baptist church, very small. And then, of course, you guys have heard the story about when we met and we were in elementary school and we met at church um, and things were fine in elementary. And we didn't start noticing things at this church until when would you say you would start noticing it? Maybe seventh or it's probably high school, actually. Yeah. Well, it was middle school for sure. I think it was whenever we started going to the youth group. Um, I, you know, and I'll tell you this much. So, and this is just a little bit of a backstory. What happened was we used to have what they called cell groups or small groups, and they were all within the homes of certain, you know, leaders. And so ours was a guy named Tony. Shout out if you're listening. Um, but he would have it in his home. And how many of us were there? Probably 10, 12 of us, something like that. Yeah, one time we got to be like up to 15. But yeah, middle school boys. And, you know, we would have pizza and it was like a Bible study. And it would we would start off with worship and stuff. And it was it was pretty cool because it was a pretty tight knit group and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we would take off and we would have like game nights or we would go play football in the field behind their house. Um, which come to think of it, they had like this weird archery range back there just behind these people's backyards. And I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> don't miss. But anyways, um, you know, it was stuff like that. But what ended up happening was we moved, they wanted to move to a more central environment to where they had more regular church services, like a youth service all together. So we moved to that and then we broke off after the worship and, um, things like that to our own small groups, but we were in like Sunday school classes. So I guess it wasn't as, I, I don't know how exactly to describe it. It definitely changed everything. Yeah, it did for sure. Uh, man, I don't really remember, but I, I guess you don't really realize it until you're out of it. Um, kind of, and, it, and it's not like we were in a cult or anything like that, but just some of the teaching and the stuff was just very uh i had to unlearn a lot of bad theology if that makes sense like uh one of the one of the big ones was that uh if you mess up too many times god will leave you or the holy spirit will leave you um they taught that they preached that really hard yeah it was a lot of hellfire and brimstone kind of stuff and where that church came from, so they now identified as what's called non-denominational, or they kind of don't take any sort of affiliation, but they came from uh, what is called Assemblies of God, which is kind of close to Pentecostal church, similar ideals, still spoke in tongues. Um, something else about Pentecostals we didn't talk about was, you know, jumping up and down, hands raised, very vocal very vocal compared to the other denominations. Like, if you pray, it's not just one person praying it could be everybody praying, right? And that's in different churches are different ways. Like the church we grew up in, that happens sometimes, but not all the time. And then there are some churches where that happens all the time. It definitely wasn't like the ones you see on TV that are extreme where like everybody's clucking like a chicken and everybody's like acting really weird because some of those, they, they get a little weird, man. Like some of those on TV, they get really weird. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I've seen some in real life like that in some like podunk places, and I kind of don't want to talk about those experiences. But it's, I will say this, and this is one of those lines to where even as we're speaking about it now, it's one of those boundaries we were taught never to cross, so it's kind of hard. But we're, I don't know how to say this, but... I had an experience uh, and we won't go into it too much because I just don't like talking about it, but it was in the middle of nowhere and essentially it was just very, very, um, I almost want to say blasphemous, but I hate using such a Christianese word. You felt like it wasn't authentic is kind of maybe what you're saying. Yes. And I'm, I would hate to, I, I hate to say this too, but there is, that's not the only time. The time that I'm talking about is an extreme example, but I've seen other occasions as well. I've seen people running around the church and that's a common place. And you know what? People have been filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And that, and not saying that that's not a thing, but you do see the people that it is just a show. I mean, I saw a guy running around the church and smack the assistant pastor in the back of the head. Uh, the female assistant pastor in the back of the head on accident. Of course. I mean, it was the, I'm not female pastor, the pastor's wife. I mean, she is a preacher as well, but still smacked her in the back of the head, not looking where he's going. My thing is, if that is really, really the utterance of the Holy spirit, he ain't going to lead you into smacking somebody in the back of the head. Right. And I, and I firmly believe that the Holy spirit, anytime, you know, the Holy spirit does something, it's to equip, edify, or bring correction. It's never to bring attention to some person. It's always to bring attention like back to God, right? So, you know, if it's if it's becoming a performance or if it's becoming more of a distraction, you know, like I said, you got to you got to ask yourself like you have to sometimes define the line between uh performance and from what's from the Holy Spirit kind of a thing. And that brings me to my next point. Um, we've also, I've also been a part of scenarios. I'm not sure, Chris, have you been a part of the scenario too, where you're, you're either a leader or something along those lines. And because you, you dress or part of the way that you act, something like that, maybe it's not necessarily out of bounds by the, the means of the Bible, but they characterize it as, Ooh, you're not necessarily a good leader or things like that. And they, they take signs as like, Ooh, maybe you, you aren't right with the Holy Spirit like you should be because sometimes you don't do the performative things? Um, I don't know if that's ever uh, come up because, my, I mean, I'm pretty low-key, dude. Like, I just wear jeans and a T-shirt, so I don't know. Can you give me, like, an ex- example? And, and maybe this was just my experience, but whenever I became um, an assistant youth leader and kind of started going that direction... Uh, especially whenever, cause I, I don't know, I guess you're kind of a, an assistant at one point where you're like assisting somebody. And then once they feel like you're ready, they'll give you your own, you know, cell group and make you a full on assistant and things like that. Um, especially while I was being watched and while I was, you know, having that, I guess, mentor over me, uh, there was definitely that pressure of, and I, I understand they're formidable kids essentially i'm in high school they're in middle school like i get it they're they're in a very formidable state in life and things like that but i also felt like it was one of those things we also had conversations of well i haven't seen you raise your hands in church in a while or i haven't seen you do like i haven't seen you speak in tongues in a while or i haven't seen you you know something along those lines and they take that as a 
something is going on with you, should we remove you from this position because you have something spiritually going on with you? Um, and so the hard part is what Chris is talking about with it's that hard line of the performative stuff. In some instances, it's even hard of, I want to keep this position. So I have to do the performative thing sometimes. Yeah. I've been there for sure. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, Oh, well, obviously you're not in a right relationship with the Lord or you're not spiritually healthy because you're not doing X, Y, or Z because we can't measure uh, what you're doing externally. And I think that's what it was like it growing up in that youth group. It was very, like I said, legalistic to where it was a lot of, a lot of performance and a lot of show. And I just remember that I would really beat myself up because, you know, you would go on these spiritual retreats and you would come back like just on fire, emotionally charged as you've been. If you've never been in that situation, like it's, there's a lot of emotion going, you're spiritually charged and you're like, I'm on fire for God. But then by like Thursday, you're kind of like waning off. And it was like one of those, it was like drinking a spiritual Red Bull. Like you would get all hyped up, but then you would crash and then you'd be like, wow, I'm not as fired as up as I used to be as I was on that weekend. Is there something wrong with me? Maybe my love for the Lord isn't as real as I thought it was, or maybe I did something wrong. And it was like, anytime you messed up, anytime you messed up, they would tell you, oh yeah, like since you messed up, you're not right with God. And, uh, you know, if you're continuing in a pattern of sinning and messing up, then yeah, that's true. Like you're, you're making distance between you and God, but it's like, even if you do one little thing, you're automatic, it's like, you're automatically far and far, far away. So every time I messed up, I would beat myself up because I was like, yeah, I just messed up. Uh, and it was almost like I had to work my way back to get close to God, which is totally not scriptural, but that's what they made you believe. And the other fearful part, I don't know if you remember this, but something that was really hardcore with me was I remember it was very, very, very heavy on if you get set free from something. Like, because they believe if you're dealing with some sort of addiction or bondage or some sort of issue in life, right, that you need to break free from, some sort of sin that you just can't stop from doing, you can get broken free through prayer, which is true. Instantly. They believe it's instant. They believe it's instant. Like, you are healed at that moment. Bam! You're you're healed. And so, what ends up happening, literally, it was taught that if we break free from this addiction through prayer and everything like that, however, we fall back into that addiction or back into that turmoil, that it would come back on a sevenfold, and it would be seven times harder for us to get free from that addiction or that issue or bondage. Well, sometimes uh, whenever you're walking out through a process, sometimes the Lord hears you instantly, but sometimes you might have to have prayer and go to therapy, or you might have to have prayer and go to rehab. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I remember, um, you know, even them kind of putting, projecting the belief that if you struggle with depression or anxiety, that means you're not sh as strong as of a Christian and that there's something wrong with your faith. You're not putting your, you don't have the faith of God. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible because there was probably a lot of teens in that youth group that were going through a lot of stuff at the time. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was get through it through prayer. And yes, prayer does help. Absolutely. But that's not the only answer to things. To be honest with you, man, I can't remember other than being like, oh, yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to leave you. I don't really remember him 
our youth pastor ever opening up the Bible or ever preaching out of something, I just remember he would just rant. Like he would just go on and on and on and rant. And I'd, we'd be sitting there being like, okay, what, like what's going on? If it was uh, something like open out of the Bible, it would literally be a scripture and he would base his entire rant around that scripture and around the agenda that he was trying to do pretty much is what happened. Yeah. So what we're kind of, and I guess I, I'll go into it too, but what, what were kind of the things that made you like step away from church? Like what was kind of nail in the coffin for you where you were like, Hey man, like I love God. I don't know if I can go to church right now. Man, that's kind of a long, a little bit of a long thing. It's a good thing we have time. Well, essentially, if you have listened to our other podcasts or other episodes and things like that, we've talked about uh, a period in time where we were working so hard, but we would take our liberties, right? We would go to Hooters and, you know, skip out part of church, and we would do different things, and we'd go play basketball, and you know what I mean? We would literally, since we were there all the time, we took our liberties, and we did what we wanted to do. And at that time, you know, Chris got burnt out and he left, went to the Explorers. I became the assistant uh, youth leader there, like I was talking about. And what ends up happening was I end up getting burnt out. Funny enough story, and this was how much of a, I guess, goody two-shoes Christian kid that didn't know too much crazy stuff. My rebellion music was Motley Crue. And I loved Motley Crue. And I would sit out in the parking lot and listen and shout at the devil and be like, yeah, I'm mad at church. And then I'd go in there and play the happy face and do what I needed to do and do the role that I needed to do. Um, So pretty burnt out there. But we ended up moving out to Texas shortly thereafter. So we moved to Texas. New beginnings, new start, everything like that. And Chris wasn't in the Explorers. We were part of the same church together. And so we started volunteering and doing everything together together. Um, and you know, so it was fine there for a bit. I don't know, man. So the church that we moved to when we moved out to Texas, it, it was a mega church and it had some like family connections. Um, one of my family members was, uh, the deacon of the year over there, which looked like a freaking Heisman trophy. And, um, literally, you know, we kind of thought we had placement in this church but the thing was so big, nobody cares, right? I'll, t- I'll put it to you this way. That's one of the issues with mega churches. There's plenty of them. But when it comes down to its core, sometimes churches are just too big to be a, a tight-knit community like they need to be. But that's a different subject. Um, we got there, and we started volunteering. And I'll be honest, I really didn't mesh with the people at that church. Like, I really didn't. I didn't mesh with a lot of the people at the previous church. But I guess since we'd known them for so long that it's like, okay... We know who they are. We know what they're about and everything like that. And, of course, coming in senior year is kind of interesting because, um, as Chris and I have talked about, again, um, you know, they would allow him to hang out or want him to hang out because he was college age, but I was a year younger, so I was a senior in high school, so they wouldn't want that. So Chris was like, nah, we're not going to have that. So literally it was – I don't know. I just really didn't mesh. I, I meshed with two people, and that was old Jeebos. We'll call them old Jeebos. You know what I'm talking about. And um, the <laughs> how do I, how do I describe this? Um, Four wheeler mom. I'll say that. And those are probably the two dudes that I you know got along with the most. But everybody else, I really just did not mesh with at all. And you know, I, I tried to pick up some gals and. 
I'll be honest with you, that did not go well. Um, they were questionable at best, or as the kids nowadays say, they were quite sus. And, you know, it, it was just like I just did not mesh there. And so I wanted to explore because this was also a non-denominational church, but this was a lot more broad and open. Like they really didn't I, – I wouldn't say they really followed too much because they didn't w- – w- what do you say their background came from? Maybe maybe Southern Baptist, kind of? No, it was Assemblies of God for sure, but they were so big that, like, the legalism and stuff was, like, not apparent. Yeah, and, I mean, it definitely happened on some level, but maybe I just didn't get far enough in it because I wasn't there long enough, and I just... And at the time, they had ended up getting bigger. Like, they were building on... It was already a big church, but then they built on this whole new facility and everything like that, and I don't know, I just lost my i was just like yeah i'm i'm good so moved on to the to the next church and i tried what was called an acts 29 church i don't know if you've heard of an acts 29 church the drinking church the church that lets you drink <laughs> yes the church that lets you drink essentially it's anything in moderation right they believe in anything in moderation and yeah and that sounded appealing to me at age 18 um but at the same time it was not and maybe this was just the experience of the church that i went to first of all it was like two blocks away from the church that we were talking about it was like in that neighborhood right behind that church and it was a small place but it was mostly college kids and think about like the hipster college kids that have to have their coffee and they had the nice little coffee bar and it was it was geared strictly towards college kids and I'll be honest, even when I was college age, I kind of didn't mesh with the college kids. Be, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, <laughs> funny enough story as well, um, and this is just me speaking to Chris for a second. Um, you know who was there from that church? From the ch- the original church uh, when we moved to Texas that I was like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I think you, I, I think you told me uh, her dad worked in insurance. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing here? Anyways, because um, that's something else about church, you know, like, it, it's something, if you bouncing around at churches, it's a weird thing. Um, that's how we were always taught. Like, you always kind of stick to that one church, and if you kind of moving around, there's kind of a weird thing about that. But anyways, so, um, but I went to that church, and I kid you not, man, nobody said a word to me. Like, nobody said nothing to me. Everybody was real weird. Um even even like the pastor was weird and i just remember the sermon was about how he had a stroke uh, at the age of 35 and literally came through it with the lord's help and that's fine but i mean the message was maybe 15 minutes didn't have any scriptural backing and was basically his story and it was then like worship before and then prayer after and their service it's like what what was that um <laughs> I, I don't know. And then uh, I tried several different other churches, didn't really didn't really mesh, um, and then started dating a girl. And literally, we went to a church that was south of town that is no longer in existence that had many campuses. And um, I kid you not, they started off worship with, they're like, we're going to do our secular song now. I was like, What? And they started off with an acoustic set of Mirrors by Justin Timberlake. And I, 
listen, I'll be honest with you with how much I've had issues with some church and things like that. And what all, all of this is saying, I'll put it to this way. I've heard many theologies, many really, and I, you know, if you're into that thing, I don't mean to say this, but it's stupid. Okay. It's a check the block kind of church. A lot of the, and a lot of the theologies are just whacked out. They're taking very small snippets and they are making it into fact. I mean, it's the Fox News of church. Literally, they'll take one small thing that's in the scripture, read the rest of the scripture. It gives it more context. Anyways, um, you know, and then here's where I, I think I really got burnt out. So all that happened. Then um, my parents, which I hope they're not listening, um, ended up taking us to this church and when i say taking us because i currently wasn't going to church then all of a sudden they decided eh, well you need to go to church and if you're going to live under our roof you're going to go to church okay fine so started going to this church and wouldn't you know it nobody they had no volunteers they had no nothing so i had ran sound pretty much every church experience we got chris has too I mean, we were tech guys, you know. We literally ran sound, lights. We did the whole we had, did the whole shebang, you know, all the time. Lyrics, everything. And so, stepped into that role, and it was just the most stupid thing. Yeah, they would just harp on the most stupid thing. And I'm just going to go into this for just a moment. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but there was a soundboard, and they had given it to us from South Plains College. Like, South Plains College had donated it to this church. And he had put it on a default setting, the guy that delivered it. They took a picture of the default setting of the soundboard, and literally, they did not want you to touch any of the dials or move anything. Now, for those of you who don't know about sound equipment, soundboards, things like that, no big deal. I'll just put it to you this way. Sound is dynamic. You have to change things. You have to tweak things. It's not constant, especially when you're talking about worship at church. You have your fast songs. Then you go into your slow songs. You have your worship songs. You have your prayer songs. You have all the different genres. You have the different feels. You have all that stuff. They would make you go back, and I kid you not, they just, the the thing that made me lose it was one day this lady came back there, and she just chewed me out of, you always change it, you always change it, you always, and I said, if you, you know, whatever, and I quit, and I left, and literally, I tried to go to some other churches, didn't really work out, shortly thereafter, my parents decided to leave, because um, my father decided to play Chancellor Palpatine, and it didn't work out, and um, anyways, then we go over to uh, another church, which they went over there, because the previous church I was talking about was really poor. Like, they didn't have a lot of money. They were hemorrhaging a lot of money. The stupid part that I thought about it was nobody was giving tithes and offering, right? Which, you got to do your mandatory 10% plus a little extra sometimes. But anyways, they weren't doing that. So the pastor, like, literally was um, having to drive a school bus, not taking a salary. Meanwhile, he had a parsonage and another parsonage that two of the pastors were living in rent-free. Then they were letting the church fans out to uh, their freaking, like, you know, parishioners there for free because their car broke down or whatever. And literally, it's like, bro, I understand it's a church, but we can't run it so much like a charity. 
you know, like, one dude took an amp, never returned it. Was like, I'm going to borrow this for my band on Saturday night, never freaking returned it. Stuff like that, you know. So the church that they went to after that wasn't hemorrhaging money. In fact, they were millionaires, had a car dealership on the freaking side of it, which I think is kind of weird. Um, and that one was totally, totally different. But what did that guy do? It was during the whole election, and who did he pump up? Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. That guy was all over Ted Cruz, and he was all about his book, too. And so, all that being said, there's a lot that I had gone through that it just, it's just, I hate the guys that are all about their book. Like, I'm glad that you have a book. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it shouldn't take away anything from the message and what we're here for. So to sum it all, to sum it all up, it sounds like you were saying that number one, people just valued uh, your work instead of who you are. Didn't really take the time to have a relationship with you. And number two, a lot of the theology was whack. And number three, uh, they made it more about themselves than about Jesus and the main thing. Does that kind of sum it up? Absolutely. And. Uh... We had a word for the the last one, self-licking ice cream cones. Those ones are like, oh, we're so great. Our group is so great. Look at all the good stuff we're doing. Yeah, I think I think what kind of burned me out is kind of the same thing. I think it was um, just the strict thing of like, hey, you're always messing. It was never encouraging. It was never life-giving. And that's kind of like what church is supposed to be. Yeah, you're supposed to – like if I'm severely messing up, like if I'm smoking crack, then I pray that – my friends will tell me, hey, you're goofing up. You need to get on the right track. Um, but it was always like, oh, well, you're not raising your hands enough or, oh, you're not worshiping enough or um, you're not, you don't have big enough faith or, no, it was always criticizing. And I think, too, it was also that no one really cared to, like, have a relationship or I didn't feel a sense of community. Um, and I think that was a big thing, man. Like, it was... You know, you would go there and nobody would say anything to you or they would treat you like dirt. It was very clicked up. It was very much like high school to where there was clicks for everything. And, you know, I mean, for the longest time, bro, it was us that was saying what's up to people. Yeah, and I think it was kind of like, okay, you expect that from people that don't love Jesus. Like, you expect them to be clicked up and everything. But I t found out it was like people that don't love Jesus were more accepting of me than the own church I was going to. I mean, we talk about it, but like we went bull riding and we went that like a couple of times we went back to visit at the rodeo and we had only been there like one or two times. But every time we went back, those guys were like, Hey man, like, how's it going? Like, we're so glad you're here. And you know, how's life going? Like, and they would ask us questions. You'd be like, Oh yeah. I remember when we talked about this, how's this going? And it felt like a sense of community and family. And I was sitting here going like, isn't church supposed to feel that way? And kind of like what you said, like there were new people that would come all the time and nobody would say a word to them. And we would say, like we would talk to them and invite them because we knew how it felt to be the outsiders. And I remember bringing this up to the youth pastor and Micah and I were in the office because I think I had made a post in my 16-year-old self making a dumb post. And he had called me in the office and we kind of aired our grievances. And I remember kind of the thing that like, was the beginning of the end for me was he drew a dot on this paper and he said what's on this paper and we said a dot and he was like what else is on this paper i was like it's a black dot and then michael was like it's not all the way colored in and then uh he was just like what else do you see what else do you and we just kept talking about the dot 
And he was like, see, you're only focusing on the dot, but you're not focusing on this all the rest of the paper. So you're just focusing on this one problem when the rest of it is so great. And basically, he spun it to where it was my fault, like, it, and the problem that I was bringing up to him. And after then, I said, you know what, man, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people only talking to me to ask me to do something or run something. You know, they treated us like workhorses. And, you know, and it's like, but they believed you and indoctrinated you. Like, if you really love Jesus, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to serve as hard as you can and you work your way to have a great spot in heaven. And you can't say no. If you say no, something's wrong. Something's wrong if you're saying no. If you say no, that there's definitely something wrong with you. And I, the reason why I went to Explorers, the police Explorers, was because they treated me like family, man. Like, they they were my family. And, you know, they brought me. And these were people that didn't even believe in Jesus. And so I had to sit and wrestle for a while with, like, being like, if these people are supposed to love Jesus and they treat me bad and these people don't love Jesus, but they're still my family, like, what's going on here? So I had some you know, theology to wrestle with. And, I, and I'll just say this. I'd be like, just because church people treat you bad doesn't mean that God's bad or God treats you bad. So I, and I wrestled with that for a long time. Yeah. I, I'm going to go back to something though. When we were talking, I had that same thing happen, but it was with the bull riders, man. Cause when we were hanging out with them and doing stuff, it was just like you said, they remembered everything. They even remember, you know, it wasn't just, they remembered your name. They remembered what bull you rode last time, where you were from, what school you went to. They remembered I played football for a particular school and asked how they were doing and all this other stuff. And by definition and by what we were taught, these people are supposed to be the scum of the earth almost. These are supposed to be the people that are nasty, doing everything wrong, hell-bound, and just, you know, we shouldn't have really... I mean, you're... In the church we grew up in, it wasn't as bad as some of the other, like, Pentecostal, like, I know of churches. But it was still definitely, like, you shouldn't hang out with those kind of people, you know. You probably shouldn't be hanging out with those kind of people. Because these people drank. These people slept around. I mean, (laughs) the gals that were there had slept with every dude there, you know. Like, literally, it was just, it, it was like the epiphany of what we thought was terrible. And we're sitting here going, but it's not and it's actually, they're actually nice, and they're actually good, decent people to us? This is really, really weird. Like, this is, how am I supposed to, you know, it was like the, the weirdest, I, I don't know. It was it was really strange. I think it's like you grow up and you have the maturity now to realize, okay, just because, you know, one church acts like this, that doesn't mean that they're all bad, right? Or just because all these bull riders act good doesn't mean that they're all saints so i think it was for us we had just been longing for that community and longing for just kind of a place to belong and longing for a place where people encouraged us and not been like oh well you're not a good christian or you're a bad you have bad faith or you've messed up or you're not doing enough yeah or you're i think that's the big thing that it was for me i and i know you probably did too i would always beat myself up it was like i'm not doing enough you know god doesn't you know I failed my math test this week because God's punishing me because I didn't do, I didn't serve last week or something. And that's a really messed up theology because that's not the way that God acts. No, not at all. And, you know, I, I think about some of the other people that we sat there in cell group with, and I can think of one in particular, and I feel so bad for this kid because, you know, we had talked about him for a while about his theology and things like that. 
But he truly believed that if you did something bad enough, God would just strike you down dead. Like, over one thing, over one thing, over one sin that you did, like, God would just strike you down. And I think it was also, too, like, people just being ugly. I mean, you know, you got into it with the worship, worship, youth worship leader who just treated you really ugly for, you know, you the youth, to sum it all up, the youth pastor's wife had told you, hey, we need to start right now. Uh, let's wrap it up. And you were the sound guy, so you're telling the band, like, hey, youth pastor's wife wants to start, so we're going to start. And he'd be like, no, this is my band. Uh, we're going to start where I want to and just treated you really ugly. And then I remember a couple of uh, a couple of one of the kids that you were a small group leader of. They invited you to their house and you got in trouble because you taught their son how to play blackjack. And they got they really like ran over your case just for teaching them a card game. Oh, yeah, they really well, and they had talked to the youth pastor and everything else. And like I had a meeting in his office about it. It was a whole big thing. But, I mean, the, the thing was, you put me in charge of, you know, 12 to 13 middle school boys. I, I'm just saying, we didn't have really anything besides a deck of cards. So, I mean, we could play Go Fish, or I could teach them how to play 21. I didn't tell them what it was. I didn't say, like, oh, you can go to the casino and bet money on this. I just said, hey, this is 21. I'm going to give you two cards, and you can say if you want more, if you want to stay right there, and you're playing against me, and explained it that way. Um, there's definitely worse things that we could have been doing, uh, for sure. But it was extremely, I mean, you, you couldn't hardly do anything out of place in their mind, you know. I mean, heck, even pepper spraying you in the face, they got upset about that. They, you know. I mean... Looking back on it, if if I have one of my church kids pepper spray another kid in the face, I'd be pretty upset about it. But it was just, it was, there was, man, there wasn't, I would just say there wasn't love there. You know, uh, maybe there was, but like, you just couldn't feel the love. And I felt, I felt like some people cared. Um, like, uh, yeah, I, I felt like some people cared, but it was, how do you describe it? It was almost like that passive care. Like, yeah, you hear... So we're going to love and care about you. But you felt like if you saw them on the street, they probably wouldn't acknowledge that you were there or say hey to you or something like that. You know what I mean? You had that. You had the people that just straight up didn't really talk to you. And then you had some people that would. But most people were just kind of, I guess, casual relationships. Like It was just like I know them, but really and truly... I mean, every time we would go on trips and stuff like that, we talked about going to Six Flags and doing, like, church trips and stuff like that. Uh, we had a very small group, whereas a lot of other people traveled in very big groups. Uh, it was, like, Chris and I and maybe two or three other people every time when we would go to those trips just because that's that's how it was. Is uh, We really only meshed with maybe two or three people who we were, um, you know, uh cool with at the time and those kind of came and went to be honest because some people were just like ah they ain't kind of they ain't cool no more kind of let's kind of take a little turn and kind of go the positive way how did you like maybe heal from it or recover from it or kind of get past it well and i will say i am still on that road to recovery if you will um i go to church passively and what i mean by that is i go every now and then um, and right now I'm going to a Lutheran church, which is definitely different than how I was raised 
But um, what I like about it the best is it's scripturally based, and that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, and there's not that expectation, and I'm still worried that that expectation is there, and that's why I don't go all the time, um, that I'm going to get sucked in. I'm going to be doing a thousand things before too long. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be I'll be the volunteer, and I'll be the lead of this, and, the, and you know, and I'll be there on Sunday. And it, it's one thing when it's like you, right? And you're there on Sunday from sunup to sundown, but that's your job, and Sunday's your prime time. It's like, for me, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to go to church. I want to have our relationship with God. Sure, not necessarily take the block. I want to get fed, but I also don't want to make it my life because the biggest thing that we've talked about this entire time was church was our life. It wasn't just a, it was our second job. I mean, school was our first job. Church was our second job. We were there. I mean, there were some days we were there or some weeks we were there every night of the week. I mean, that's just how it was. So now that I'm on that other side of that, I understand that that's not how it has to be. And that's one of the biggest things. I understand that's not how it has to be. And how I came to that conclusion, only 10% of the church really volunteers and does anything, right? But the 90% sit there and still partake, and nobody's mad at them, right? Nobody's sitting there going, that 90% sucks, and they need to get off their behind and do something. Maybe the salty people like us who have been burnt out, but, you know, for the most part, it's like when you go to those bigger churches or when you go to the more well-organized church, like the one that I've been going to, literally they have enough volunteers and they have backup volunteers. And it's like, you know, people aren't burnt out because they're doing 40 things. So I know that things are taken care of to where I necessarily don't have to volunteer to keep the thing afloat because that's my biggest thing. I do have a big heart. And so the hard part for me is sitting there. If I see something not being done, it's like, man, we really need volunteers. I will be that person to say, no problem. I got you covered. But it's a slippery slope a lot of the time. Um, but to, to keep going um, from the bad theology, I have a bad or I have a very tight radar for that stuff now. I could sweep it a mile away, and it's it sucks because when you're trying to get back into it, it's very hard because you're sitting here, and anything that somebody says, you're like, oop, oop, yep. I, I mean, there was even a pastor one time. I went to a Christmas service, and the guy was talking about, he was like, yeah, you know, we all know what Christmas is really about. It's about the presents and everything, and he wasn't joking. And, like, that just, I didn't have to listen to the rest of it. It just shut me down. And it was over the smallest thing, but that's what happens when you've heard so much bad theology out there. When you start to get that taste of like, ooh, this might be going wrong. This might be going, you're like, I'm going to stop this right now because it makes you mad. It makes me physically mad still. It's just like, don't be saying that crap, especially when it's the personal agenda stuff. And that's another reason why I like the church that I'm going to now is because they're very scripturally based and they're very fact-based and they also understand and this is what, what my biggest deal was. They also understand that Chris's experience through life, even through church and things, my experience through life, even though we've had similar experiences, are going to be different. I can read the Bible and get something out of it. He can read it the same passage that I read and get something totally different out of it because we've had our own dynamic life. And that's the biggest thing, too. Most organized religions nowadays put God in a box and that's something I cannot stand. 
he's such a dynamic guy and you just look at the bible right it can go a million different directions some things are very black and white and cut and dry absolutely but there are some things to where it is just it can apply to multiple you can read the same passage in multiple times in your life and it can help you in different ways you know and so it's just it's one of those things to where i my beef is with religion not with not with christianity or following christ if you're doing it to the purest form and here's something else i'm going to remind everybody to and this is the biggest and hardest lesson i had to learn where are the best places for sinners and people who are doing wrong it's the church and so the thing is you're going to be full of and that's where you're going to be full of and they're going to be sitting all next to you and that's understandable but at the same time the best churches operate with that human error but at the same time, they weed that stuff out in positive and effective ways. And so that's the main difference. And so we're still in the beginning stages of going through this church in particular. All is well so far. But at the same time, you know, you still got to be that little bit of leery at the very beginning. Because, yeah, everything's fine and dandy because you don't know the nitty gritty of everything just yet. But hopefully everything's going to be okay. But still kind of in that process to answer your question yeah man and there's never gonna be like a perfect there's always gonna be something about any church that um you know that it's not always gonna be perfect or up to your liking you might not like all the worship songs but i think i think kind of going back to it i think what we did is we put working at church in place of our relationship with god and i think that kind of got that's where it gets gritty because if you're just focused on what you do for church and you don't really have the relationship with God, then you're going to get burned out as soon as those people fail you. I think for me, man, uh, honestly, and I'll be honest about it because it was, it was a time in my life that I was going through a tough, I had to go to therapy to be honest with you. And I had to, I had a therapy with a licensed professional counselor. You know, he was a believer. He was Christian and everything like that. But it wasn't like one of those, everything was applying spiritually. He applied everything mentally, physically, emotionally. And then he would ask, like, when we get to those spiritual parts, he'd be like, hey, can I have this spiritual conversation with you? And he would ask me about it. But it was one of those things where, man, I had to unlearn uh, a lot of bad theology and realize, like, hey, like, I'm not serving a God that's, you know, there to get me. I'm serving God who loves me. And I'm not serving a God who's always criticizing my worst mistakes i'm criticizing or i'm serving a god that like looks at my what he made because the bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made right so you know so i had to do a lot of unlearning and that was even after going on staff at a uh a spiritually abusive church like i would get called kind of the same thing it was like oh well, you're not praying enough and we don't have enough numbers uh because you didn't pray enough this week or um you're going to lunch too many times with the maintenance guy and the worship pastor and that's promoting disunity in our staff and you have a bad spirit and i was like hey man like anybody could show up to lunch like this isn't a closed invitation man um and so it was like i would get uh called in the office and in trouble quote unquote for a little i got in trouble one time for going to another church for their conference and uh they were like yeah you need to be here and you need to be getting stuff to feed our people and they would tell, uh, they would say, our church is like a restaurant. We can only serve the people that come. And which is totally not true because the Bible says that, you know, Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And so we're supposed to share Jesus' love with everybody. And I always had a problem with that. But I think a lot of it was, of course, God doing the healing in my heart. But 
man, I had I had to have some conversations with some professionals. And if you're going through church hurt and stuff or spiritual abuse, um, don't be ashamed to go to therapy. There's nothing wrong with that. No, you got to go through and go to therapy and talk about some of that stuff because there's a lot of unrooting and a lot of unlearning things. And especially if you've been going to church since you were a, a kid, like if you have been born into the church is what they say. Like, heck yeah, because you're talking about stuff that was rooted in your mind since you were very, 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 very small. And this is where I turn over the leaf and talk about parents that are going to take their kids to church. You want to be very careful of what the church is about and what they are doing. You want to be very cautious as well, because the thing is, all may seem fine. I'm sure our parents thought everything was fine, right? But were they really checking the content of what was going on? and what we were being taught and what we were being told. No, that didn't happen. And so it's our situation could have been worse, absolutely. But at the same time, it's hard when you get to this point in life because there's a lot of stuff I'm having to unlearn. I mean, I'm, I will be completely honest with you. It took me near about 10 years to get back into church, 9, 10 years to get back into church just because of how, I mean, just barely going to church would make me angry about a lot of this stuff that would happen. And so that's where you got to seek professional help and understand that you got to have tools that maybe you don't personally possess because that's totally okay to ask people for help. And there are those people that have that. Um, And it doesn't have to be a spiritually, um, you know, licensed professional or anything like that. So it's just, I don't know. And this conversation is one that we could go forever on because it's we're barely scratching the surface of what we're talking about. Like we're jumping around with points, but each point that we're going to, we can go on to eons about what it is and what we've gone through with it. Um, like I'm sitting here looking at it and I'm going, man, I can't believe we've talked this long about all this stuff already. But yeah, and I think I think it's important for us to talk about it, um, not for us to bash church or bash anything, but I think to help people, man, because I think a lot of people kind of, they have a bad experience or they get hurt by the church in whatever way that is, and then they totally write God off, and it's like, you know, man, just because you had a bad experience doesn't make it a bad God, but I want to help anybody. It's not for me to bash anybody. I just want to help people, you know, help people get through it, because for some people, it is, it might be a little bit slower process for them to ease in back into church, and that's okay. Like if it takes you a little bit slower process, that's okay. And remember something, and this is something that I remembered through that whole process as well. It says in the Bible where two or more are gathered, he will be there. So really and truly, you can make your church anytime. As long as you have another person, crack open that Bible, you can have yourself a church service anywhere you go. And that's what it, what it says. So just because you're not going to the brick and mortar building at the time because, you know, the religion portion's pissing you off, there's, you know, you can still maintain a relationship with Christ, and that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people miss. Um, and it's, it's honestly, it's natural because most churches promote if you're not going to church, you don't have a relationship with Christ. And I mean, even even ours did too. I mean, there was a lot of if you're not coming every single week, you know, you don't have a relationship with Christ, and that's not true. Church is helpful because it is in a healthy church. You have that community and you have that people that's around you and. You know, like Michael said, you can have church 
anytime the church is uh, the people, not the building. But don't let the pendulum swing the other way and be like, yeah, I have church on the golf course and you're just playing golf. Like, that's not church. That's not church. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no. Trust me, trust me. Micah had church at the airport a few times, and that's not that's not church. Uh, it's just that's just you going and hanging out during church time. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 just one of those things to where you know it's always that balance, right? But Chris is right. Church is a place of community. And I'll tell you this much: if you go to one that does good potlucks, you're you're doing. Yeah, well. let me get let me get on this subject too. That's the thing that is missing from the modern church right now is people don't know how to give a good church potluck, bro. And if you don't know, you ain't never been to a church potluck. It's where most of the time, if you're going to a good one, it's where all the old ladies they bring out their best dishes and they all bring it all together, and it's just one big feast. But nowadays, man, these young people don't know how to do a church potluck. Potluck. And it's and if it's at a toxic church, then it'll be good food, and the old ladies will be angry at each other because Sister Betty brought the good china, and she said she wasn't, and I have the best platter, and she stole my she stole my spoon, and that's my serving spoon. See, my initials are on it, and you get to watch dinner and a show. Um, so, well, yeah. we just wanted to. I know it's a little bit different from our usual thing. We wanted to change it up. Uh, we will be back. To our regular scheduled programming next week but uh hopefully this episode helps you out and at least uh or entertains you and uh, gives you a different perspective on things maybe you've never thought about heard about because you know some of these some of this stuff to our listeners around the world might be rather different and might not have heard about some of this stuff so yeah the people in singapore are probably like oh church like you know we're talking about american church it's different Western, Eastern church and church, man, people know how to have church in Africa. They know how to have church in China, bro. You go to them churches, they know how to have church. They get down. I mean, Malaysia, Singapore, y'all know how to get down too. I mean, I will say this, African-American church, they know how to get down too. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe I should just go to an African-American church. You know, maybe that's what we're missing too. Yep. That's what we're missing. Cause I always love the music. I always love the preaching. Yeah. It's always, it's always great. Anyways, now yeah. you're going to be there for five hours, but it's great. Oh, but you're going to get spiritually fed and you're going to be sweating from head to toe by the time you leave. Well, tell them where they can go to find us. TVTrashCan.com. That's TVTrashCan.com. Go give us a look. All right. Well, I guess it's time to sign off. I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. We'll see you next time. Deuces. Yeah. Uh-huh.